This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The third installment, Working Class on DeerCast, the Turkey OG series. Um, I'm already learning a lot. I'm about to learn a lot more. Mark is like holding my hand through this, I feel like, which is funny. Um, But our next guest is Steve Stoltz, and we're going to talk turkey vocabulary on this episode is what I'm getting at here. We got the man of the hour. Boys and vocabulary and none better to do it. Than Mr. Stoltz, and I, I had special meaning with each of these guests because they're so close to me, none closer than Stevie. Stevie's been a, a best friend since the mid-80s. He's helped me out so many different situations. He was in mine and Tracy's wedding. We remain tight to this day. We are best of friends. We vacation with he and Don. Tracy and Don vacation, and uh, he's, he's as close as anyone I have in the turkey world, so it means a lot to me to have him as this guest because, to me, he is the most long-tenured, relevant, competitive turkey caller in turkey calling of all time. No one's ever done it for the better part, uh, over 40 years, but he was relevant in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, teens, and now 20s. So that's part of six different decades. No one else has, has done that, Not at least to my knowledge they haven't. And um, he just placed in the Grand Nationals in the, in the two-man team. And uh, I'm so happy he's joining us here today because he's going to, he's going to teach all of us how to call better. Wow. That's that's incredible, Steve. I mean, some of your credits, three-time world Turkey calling champ, national wild Turkey Federation, grand national champion of champions, 16 time national wild Turkey Federation, grand national senior, senior finalists, 20 state titles. I'm sure I'm missing some here. Um, I don't, how do you how do you stay that dominant and relevant for that long? Like, what's the secret? Is it just being passionate or what? Well, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I my success has kind of uh, 
ebbed and flowed, if that's a good way to put it. I um, there was there's been periods in my call calling career, if you want to call that, that I I really didn't put much time to it and mm-hmm. still showed up to calling contests and went on kind of natural ability. But I will say the years that I put a lot of time to it, including the year that I won my first world championship in 93 and that involved coming up with uh, the design, the SS special design cut that won me that world championship. Uh, consequently, Mark decided to start mad calls uh, the next year. Um, those, those years, uh, the, the years I've placed in the, in the top five in the grand nationals, uh, my champion champions win at the grand nationals. I'm trying to think of some of, and even Mark and I uh, called together in the world championship and won. Those are the years that I put a lot of time to it. Um, a lot of dedication, a lot of practice, mm-hmm. a lot of cutting and building calls um, to be quite honest. And uh, my late, my most recent surge into the top of uh, Turkey calling um, I'd say the last two out of the last three years, I've made the finals in the grand nationals uh, missed it last year. Um, barely, but uh, there's a lot of great callers now. Probably the difference from when Mark was calling and I, and I was calling back then too, and now is back then there was a, a small core group. I'm a very small core group. If that group was there, one of those guys were going to win. Now the field is is widened. You still have a good solid core group of top callers, um, but it, it's the talent is is broader based. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Mark? Oh my goodness, yes, just incredible talent uh, across the board and much at a much higher level. Like if you were calling back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and even two thousands, like you call today, you would have been the Paul Butsky or the Walter Parrott because what's going on these days, he's, that's one of the things that I really, really admire about Steve is the fact that he's elevated his game through the years because everybody's gotten better and he's right there with the top callers in the country. So he has evolved with the call cuts and with the calling itself. So um, I, I think that's, that's admirable. One thing we forgot to mention, he's also a career firefighter. So 40 years serving, serving his community and serving others. I mean, he's a captain at Melville there. So that, uh, that deserves a round of applause. Sir. The working man's hunter right there. Right there. Buddy. I, yeah. I, um, I had a deer, sh- uh, deer hunt show a few years ago called Buckman and uh, it's no longer airing, but that was what it was all based around was the working class bow hunter nothing mm-hmm. against the mark durys lee lakoski's jay gregory's of the world um that 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 manage large pieces of ground and they're able to do that great great but um you know let's let's face it most of the hunters out there most of the hunters that are listening to this uh, podcast um are dealing with small acreage mm-hmm. if they're dealing with private ground um uh and they're in and sometimes public ground a lot of times so you got to you got you got to cater to that appetite. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and obviously you can still get it done. You can still get those big mature uh, deer down. Of course, we're going to talk about Turkey, but you can still get big mature, mature deer down and you can still get some good Turkey hunting done on uh, not only public ground, but smaller pieces. Yeah, definitely. For sure that we try to focus on that, you know, I mean, we cover it all, but yeah, I mean, a lot of guys are work guys and gals working a hard day job that they might not love. And then they come back to their passion and put all their effort and, and more hard work into that. If not more, sometimes I know I kind of fell into that category, but uh, before we get out of Turkey calling and like, uh, well, Turkey calling competitions, Steve, sure. I wanted to talk to you about, cause 
I'm wondering this, and I'm sure there's some listeners wondering what separates a championship turkey caller from a guy who's just competing in turkey calling competitions? Well, uh, again, I mentioned earlier the t- uh, time put into it. I, I you know, look, I, uh, I started building calls for Mark a few years. Well, I mean, I've often on built calls for Mark, but here the last few years, I guess I'm building your calls. I don't know um, where, you know, um, at least his, his specialty calls. Um, I've heard Mark call with the calls that I'm building and I think he could jump back into competition. Now, will Mark Drury do that? Probably not, but, but it's the time you put to it is that separates it. Uh, mm-hmm. The championship caller from a competition caller. Uh, anybody that's listening here right now, and, and hopefully some of the callers that compete are, uh, man, you get out, you get out of it, what you put into it. If you mm-hmm. put the time into it and practice and listen to real live turkeys this morning is a great example. Um, I had Jason Conrad, good friend, Jason Conrad. We had dinner with Jason the other night. One of the most talented turkey callers you'll ever meet. Very talented on a friction call. Uh, Mark, Mark's good friends with Jason as well. Um, he sent me a sound file of a real live hen. And, and uh, he said, Steve, I think you could copy that hen and improve your score and your yelp. Because we looked and we broke down and we listened to my performances on stage and continuously my lower scores, barely lower than my other scores is my hen yelp. And so how do I fix that? Well, I don't fix that by copying another caller. I don't fix that by trying to sound like Mark Drury yeah. or yeah. Paul Butsky or uh, Matt Van Sice. I fix it by trying to sound more like a real turkey. And so um, that that is what I think separates uh, the uh, comp, the championship caller from somebody that just really wants to do well, but, you know, keeps going and getting their brains beat out of the calling contest are too intimidated worse yet to call. Anybody should go jump in a calling competition if that's what their aspiration is. But if you put the time to it, study wild turkey vocabulary, also study wild turkey calling championships they're on youtube they're on national wild turkey federation facebook page uh there's and there's all kinds of information like on DeerCast. there's all kinds of turkey hunts that you can go to and listen to people not only calling but also live wild turkeys so the better you study and the better you uh uh fine-tune your game the better you're going to do up on a stage is there certain, certain criteria criteria that they're the judges are judging you on is like they're three basic things or five basic things they're looking for you to hit in the competition? Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, are we going to get into some calling at all? Did you want to do some calling? I'd like to. Well, a great example is, um, and I'm just going to do a cluck and purr. So if they ask for a cluck and purr and somebody just goes. That's going to score. But if you put the realism into it and use that same cluck and purr and, 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 and add the realism to it, your, your scores are going to go way higher because you're, you're painting a picture that the judges want to hear. They want to hear a li- real live turkey out in woods, but you're trying to pull those points up with that judge. So judges scoring from 1 to 20, what I just gave might have scored a 16. Mm-hmm. But if I did this, you might be able to bring it up to 18s, 19s, and even sometimes 20s. see the difference yeah Isn't that awesome <laughs> it's a, it is awesome it's awesome man i'm glad you you walked through that 
you know, because it, it does, that does paint the picture. Cause those, there might be a lot of people that are kind of like, well, how do you score higher? You know, is it always a one to 20 score on each thing or will they break the calling competition down into categories like this? It is in today's uh, calling world. Yes. It's, it's one to 20 per call. Uh, there is uh don't want to confuse anybody there in the grand nationals. The last few years have, has went to a scenario format at the, in the finals. Uh, but leading up to the finals and all other smaller contests, qualifiers, state contests, opens, um, it's based, it's call to call to call. So they'll ask for, and they'll ask for the same four or five, six calls uh, from every competitor. We'll have to do the same. So it may be fly down, cackle, Kiki run, old hen assembly, cluck and purr, and cutting of an excited hen. And all, every competitor has to do those calls that mm-hmm. in that order. So, uh, yeah. Gotcha. Mark, do you think that we should have Steve break down each call that he mentioned and maybe talk about where it could apply in a turkey hunt? I think that might be kind of a cool thing for listeners and viewers to see and hear. I think so. I think it would be beneficial to kind of have a calling contest, if you will, where he's going to be the winner, certainly, because there's only one caller. But I would like to ask for the call, and then I'd like to discuss with Steve how we might use that call, you know, in a hunting scenario. And then I'd like to end the podcast. And I think you agree with this, Kurt, where if somebody just wanted to hear vocalizations, Steve runs you through some of the renditions he would give on stage so that Steve, if a listener wanted to get to the end of the podcast, they could listen and then practice, listen and then practice. So we'll put them all together at the end, but right now we'll break them down one by one. And I think the first thing we need to start with would be, Hen yelps or excited. Well, actually, let's start with tree call. Let's start first thing in the morning. Sure. That that gobbler's up there gobbling, and you as a hunter want to make your first communication with him. And when the hen first wakes up, she's going to do some soft talk on the limb. And this this would be like a, a tree call. Yeah, so a tree call is um, basically a, a, a hen yelp, but but um, think of it like this. Um, there's no real two tone to it. So um, how I teach people a tree call and that's what they do in a tree. And let me tell you, you add that realism of that tree call in the early morning and let them know kind of just that you're there. You don't have to overdo it. That just makes a big difference on whether or not you're successful that morning, whether that turkey pitches out your direction. So how you do it with a mouth call is. So all I'm doing is I'm, I'm doing like a whistle, like a kiki whistle. I, only I'm yelping. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, it does. So that's the sound. When are you using that? Like talk about how often you do it, how long you wait till you finally tree call to a gobbler. Call it April 25th here opening opening uh or it's early in the morning turkey's gobbling a little bit when are you going to actually jump in there and converse with them best way to answer that is a how close i am to the turkey and b the mood that turkey is in so um yeah i i if i'm tight on the turkey i call less and, and that, that's just how, how i do it. because if i think that turkey can see my position as it's starting to get light he's also going to see me calling so there, 
you, there's a fine line there. So I'll, I'll call him way more sparingly when I'm so tight on him that I can almost see him in a limb or he, I think he should see me. If I'm the standard distance, Mark, I'd say the standard distance, hundred yards from a rooster. Awesome. If I'm the standard distance, he can't see me. I can't see him. He can't really pinpoint the exact tree I'm in. Um, and he's gobbling good. I'll let him gobble on his own good, but I, I, I will interject with some tree calls uh, before he flies out. How long I wait? I don't know. I just get that feeling that I don't want to call too soon, but I also don't want him to pitch out without hearing me call. So that that's a tough thing to teach the hunter. Uh, I would say uh, once he gets goblin good, goblin good, um, and if he's goblin pretty steady, then I would eventually throw throw the call in. And by the way, you can do the call with a mouth call too. You can just lighten up on a yelp. Just in the box. Just like that. And the thing is, if he catches you, if he if he hears you and got cuts you off, then you then back off on you. You don't have to keep tree yelping at him. Just back off. If he's not hearing you, do some more tree yelping until he actually acknowledge you. You can tell when a turkey gobbles at you or just gobbles. So listen to his intervals. Some some of the some of the turkey hunters that I've ran into um, uh, are, through the years. Are, are, are not paying attention to intervals, to depth perception, to how, how, you know, how their um, personality of that each, each gobbler is. They'll tell you that personality by how much they're gobbling and, and how much they're gobbling at a crow or an owl. Is any little thing making them gobble? Are you, gonna have, are you having to yank that gobble out of them? And typically, if you have to yank the gobble out of them, they're going to be a turkey that's going to be tough to work with, more, more than likely. Yep. That makes sense. We talked about that with Paul, the rhythm and the cadence in which he calls, not just the individual yelps, but how often he'll do a set of yelps. And if Steve, like Paul, all the good turkey hunters I know, know turkey rhythm, not just with the way they yelp, but the pattern in which they'll call to the gobbler. And Steve said it best, let the gobbler dictate how you're going to call to him. If he's vocal that day, you could be a little bit more vocal. If mm -hmm. he's a little bit more hush mouth, then you might need to pull back just a little bit. But I think one tip I could give you about when to do your tree elves, you don't want to do it when he first gobbles. It's generally perhaps 10, 15 minutes after that, you'll finally hear a hen or two wake up, and then they generally follow the gobblers. They're seldom the first ones to talk in the morning. Seldom. Yeah, so you, so you good. as close to fly down as you can before he flies down. Good point, good Mark. Um, you know, I, I think of it uh, – yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, the competition begins when the other hens start calling. No doubt. So uh, to Mark's point, if you haven't called yet and then you start hearing another hen tree call, chime in and start uh, actually trying to out call her. <laughs> um, if, if she's up on a limb, given them. You may want to. Just kind of like out, out duel her. Yeah, you see, that makes sense. I just was, I just did the turkey, and then I did what I'm going to give back to her to just make that gobbler think, man, I don't need to leave her because she's she's definitely ready, you know. Well, Kurt, it's kind of like if you're at a show and there's ten people trying to get to you to buy a hat, mm -hmm. and there's there's 
nine of them standing there not saying anything. And this other one's, hey, buddy, you know, who, who's getting the attention? <laughs> right. So you want to be a little bit of an attention grabber when you're when you're playing like a hen. Yeah, you that can- makes it. Mark, I thought you were going to say I picked the hottest chick out of the group and talked to get her a hat first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have used that same scenario in a bar, but I didn't know if it'd be as realistic. So, well, that's right. Cool. Yeah. And there's usually not groups of 10 women trying to get my attention anywhere, but you're right. You know, like kind of goes back to some of the other episodes in the series, you know, when that hen's talking, you better be talking out, talking her and cutting her off and finishing her sentences and stuff like that. So better be an attention seeker, you know, even if your personal, even if your personality is quiet, don't, don't be that way when you're calling turkeys attention, try to get some attention on you. (laughs) I like it. So So, that's good advice because as a less experienced turkey hunter, First thing I do is I'm trying to find a turkey. So I feel like I'm in the game and then I probably overcall or not really sure what, how to call and what cadence to call in when the birds are on the roost talking to me, but that makes sense. Keep it to, you know, until the hen starts talking, keep it as close as you can to fly down. Um, it's going to work out in, more in your favor at that point or how you said, Steve, it could dictate how your morning hunt goes. And additionally practice these tones and volumes at home. Don't get out there and try to just yelp real loud and muffle it with your hands or anything. Practice what Steve's doing here at home, whether that be on a handheld friction, a box call or a mouth call or push button, tone things down. Those first yelps out of that hen's hen's beak are going to be generally soft every morning. Mm -hmm. I I think Mark just brought up a good point. Um, Your, your, your blends of latex, your cuts, um, in mouth calls, you know, in particular, but whether you're using a friction call or a mouth call, you don't have to call super, super loud. You really don't. Um, and most blends of latex in the mouth calls are so well designed. You not put out, you don't have to put a lot of air to them. And, uh, you know, so definitely uh, go with the tactic of uh, starting off soft and then get louder if they don't hear you. Um, and I think, I, I, again, I, I think, um, most hunters believe in their mind that they, they just have to blast a call. And listen, let me tell you, turkeys can hear, you know, 10 times better than we can. Um, their, their eyesight and their hearing is unbelievable. Um, they just can't smell. And mm-hmm. thank God. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> no doubt. So, but what would be the next, um, I'm just concerned with our time that we have. Let's, can we move on to the next call and maybe circumstance that it would apply? We're going into, and this one will be a real short one because it's not one that I use much. It's a no. fly down cackle. Yeah. Um, Steve will give it real quick here. And this would be all of a sudden the hens are starting to pitch down or you feel like the gobbler just pitched. Or if you want to be the first hen on the ground, here's a way to say I'm flying down. Absolutely. And to do the fly down cackle, all I'm doing is cutting, but I'm coming out of the limb cutting. And cutting means I'm going cut, cut, cut with the mouth call. That's how I'm doing it individually. Then you do it in a pattern of flying. Picture this. Somebody just give, gave the hen a, a swift kick in the ass, right? And out she comes. Out to the limb she comes. Whoa, she don't want to come out, but she comes out like this. Oh, your mic cut out, Steve. I think uh, what we might have to do is just because the computer is going to want to limit the sound of it because it's higher pitched. Steve, you might have to stand back a little bit or maybe go in your kitchen and do that because it did cut it out. Yeah. All or right. I don't know if it's possible, Steve. Maybe try to do them at a lower volume if it would still translate. Hard to do. Okay. Hard to do. Hard to do. 
Oh, cut it out again. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did it cut out again? We cut it out again right after about the third or fourth note. Maybe go over by the window and see if it'll work. That works better. A little better, but it still cut it out. That's too bad. Okay. I don't know how well we're going to be able to do that unless we can get Steve to record them separately, and okay. then we can apply some of these recordings at the end. Well, he could, right. he could video himself and send them to you, but that's a fly down cackle, and basically it's buck, 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 buck. Yeah, I'll try and do a lot lower volume. That was better. It's still not great, especially for an audio podcast. It is cutting yeah. it out. So yeah, yeah. we'll do uh, Steve. We'll have to do that at the end. If you could run through and do a video and just send the file to me and we'll throw these on the end too. That way people, they, we can still explain how they're used and in what scenario, but then at the end, if people we'll want to listen and, and really good clean versions. Yeah. Sure. yeah. All right. So now you're on the ground and you want to start having that conversation with the Turkey Let's hear you do some some yelping, Steve. And obviously, you're going to have to do it pretty soft, and and perhaps at some distance from the computer. We're just making so, Steve dance around his house for fun at this point. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the hen yelp obviously is the backbone of the turkey's vocabulary. Um, I like uh, I like uh, a hen yelp that has front end, middle, turnover, and then rasp in the back. Um, all three components in a, in each yelp, and then each yelp is separate. So uh, separate your yelps. Don't run the yelps together. Is, did that make it cut out? It sounded great. Okay. So, uh, and then that's just a plain hen yelp, just a. Beautiful. And then, uh, so to get more aggressive, obviously, we don't want the mic to cut out, but uh, you can, you know, uh, if you get a little more excited about it. Hey, Steve, turn your volume down on your computer, and I want to see if that's part of the feedback we're getting. Uh, let's see here minimize it a little bit and and try that again and i'll i'll turn mine down as well i'm wondering if that's what it's doing or it might just be the computer well, i wonder like, if if we muted when he's calling if that would help things yeah we could try it i'll do i'll do the same okay. on mine i'll mute my mic do that again steve and, and give it a try uh, stand by yeah actually you mean turn my own volume down yeah just the volume on the computer and then kurt and I are going to mute ourselves. Okay, turn it down to 50%. Okay, now go ahead and call and we'll mute ourselves. Did that do better? 
perfect. I think that fixed it, don't you, Kurt? Yeah, it's definitely sounding better. I wonder, too, I don't know, it, there'd be something to do in preparation for next time. Probably lower the input through Zoom. That way it's not peaking the computer. But, that I mean, it's going to work. That was really close there to what he sounds like, so it was, it was quite good. So, Steve, you're doing those yelps now. Go more like an excited henny up. You're really hammering him, and Kurt and I'll mute, mute real quick. It, it kind of went in and out, but I think people will get the, the idea. You're throwing some cuts in there with that. And you increase the pace a little bit. You increase the volume. You increase the pitch. Everything went up. It's the same It's the same um, comparison as if I'm talking like this versus if I start talking like this and try and grab your attention, right? Everything gets more emotional when you give excited hen yelps. And what he just did there is probably what I do the most to get the most response in the woods, the excited hen yelp. When you're working a turkey, whether he's got hens or whether he doesn't, man, be the attention grabber. Seek attention. Call it that turkey. Primos did a video years ago, calling too much and calling too loud. Well, in reality, it's it's really about calling with emotion and calling with excitement. And that can absolutely turn the difference and make the difference on any given turkey. And I'm sure Steve can uh, talk on that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think you can call too much. I mean, if, if you're sounding real, I mean, you can call too much if you're sounding horrible. Because obviously they're they're realizing that it's not maybe maybe not a real turkey. But if you're anywhere close to decent rhythms and decent uh, core sounds with your turkey calling, I don't think you can really overcall them. Uh, other than the fact I mentioned earlier about that roosich scenario, where if if you think a turkey can see you, you have to, then you have to be careful how much you call because you don't want them to pick you out. I really think that. You know, people say, well, I don't hear a lot of hens calling that way. And they're right. More often than not, they don't call that aggressively. But when they do, they mean something by it. And they they will grab a gobbler's attention when they start calling like that. You hear a little bit more of that loud calling and aggressive calling earlier in the spring when the flocks are initially breaking up than you do once they're henned up or the latter part of the season. But I still call that way throughout the season. And it, it does it does bring results, boy, especially on the strike or if you're in that pace where you're pulling the bird in, don't be afraid to go up the ladder, come back down, go up the ladder, put some energy in your calling, put some emotion in your calling and, and, and be different than the rest of the hens. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So great example of that sequence. Um, I hear this a lot, Mark. I know you do too. When an old hen is ready to breed, she'll come in literally cutting and yelping with such excitement. And, then, and don't get me wrong, not every single time. Sometimes I had to walk to a gobbler quiet. But if she's excited and wants, in, in my opinion, wants to be bred, and I've seen it happen, they walk right past me, walk right to the gobbler, and, and they lay down and get bred. So I know for a fact that a, 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 an excited hen yell with those cut, cutting sequences in there is a very effective tool. Now, do you want to overdo it? No. When he starts getting fired up and he starts coming your way, then you might want to back off and let him start hunting you. But until you get him to that point, it is a great call to to try on him, to get him convinced that he needs to come your direction. Kind of goes like this.
Did that cut out? No, that was really good. Yeah, it worked great. All right, perfect, perfect. Yeah, really Uh, good and really good sound too. Yeah, yeah. um, I'm trying to think of another call. Yelping, again, backbone. All I'm doing is going... And um, another call to learn, I think, is a very important call to learn. It's more of a fall call, maybe, but that is the old hen assembly. Again, it's a series of yelps, and you just string the yelps out into a pleading fashion like this. Like that. Excellent. Yeah. Really, really good sound quality, Steve. And the, the Yelps are awesome to me. I don't, I don't know why they didn't score this past weekend, but they sound good to me, buddy. <laughs> well, well, I'd go. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk about this all the time. If, if all three of us, I think, are probably in this category. If we were gobblers, we'd be dead on opening day 30 minutes after flight out. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't make it very far. I'd be, I'd be done at a Jake. <laughs> for telling the truth you wouldn't even you wouldn't even make it to longbeard status <laughs> no i would have made it barely out the hatch <laughs> i would have got caught by a hawk or something and then just been done one of the one of the calls that uh in the fall that that i like to to do um is a, a, a jake yelp and uh jake kiki and it's done um you know very similar to regular kiki just a little different tone and a What's little, a kiki in general? Cadence in the yelps. Young birds, uh, Young they can't quite, they go back and forth between the whistle, which is what they do when they're a pulp, mm-hmm. and a full yelp. So it's adolescent call, okay. uh, not quite mature enough to do it without without breaking back and forth. Okay, and I'm glad you way, clarified uh, that. Go ahead, Steve. By the way, uh, any of these calls I'm doing, I use a lot in the spring. I use a lot of, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm nuts. I'll, I'll use a lot of uh, fall calling in in my spring uh, forte. I, um, turkeys are flocks, and they're flocks 365 days a year. They don't wake up one morning and say, it's spring. I'm only going to do spring calls. So um, remember that when you're out hunting. And uh, if you key in on a, on a hen's instinct, and that is they, they like to go towards those young gobblers. And if you can drag those hens in, the long beard will come in with them. Very good. And I'm, I'm like Steve. I like to put some Kiki in, in there in the spring because it's also a good locator call because they're not hearing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to location on a turkey, you got to do something that shocks them, whether that be cutting a cackle in the middle of the day, a loud hen yelp, a gobbler fight, or a Kiki. You know, put some sound out there that shocks that gobble out of that turkey. So, so it'd be, I'm just trying to put some of the stuff I'm learning on the fly here on the podcast together. So if you're running a Jake decoy, it'd probably be a good idea to throw some key keys in because it paints the picture of an immature bird and big old boss galvers going to come in and put a whooping on them is essentially the idea. Certainly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I- I'll even do the little half, the little. Uh... And with a box, you can do the same thing with a box call. It's cutting out. 
was cutting out. That's why I, that, yeah, I didn't hear any of that. For the diaphragm reason, worked better. That was uh, that's freaking cool, man. Like a half gobble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do a, just do a. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going. <laughs> and then uh, to learn a regular kiki, it's it's real simple. Ray, I actually himself and Mark remembers this. Uh, at Mark, you weren't at, at this contest, but Ray taught me to do the kiki at my first kiki run at my first turkey calling contest. And um, you just, uh, what you do is you get a high note in your call. And then did it cut out. It, was, it, it worked pretty well. And then it, and then say P, P, P three times after you get that high note. Face the other way. It helps when you face off. And then yelp afterwards. Pretty. That was, that was really pretty. That's All so right, cool. <laughs> let's, uh, we've gone through a lot of the different uh, vocalizations and we've given some scenarios where they might work. And I, I can't wait till you get to do this to where everybody can hear it cleanly. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to give you that at the end of the podcast. Cause he's going to, he's going to record it and, and give it to you for practice. Let's go into the softer stuff. Now that bird's on the way. You feel like he's closing the distance. You're about to see him. And uh, he hangs up a little bit. All of a sudden he's out there strutting and spitting and drumming 50 yards right over a hump. You're going to cluck and purr, perhaps scratching the leaves. Let's go into the cluck and purr a little bit. So I, um, you know, on, uh, by the way, Matt Van Sice, uh won his seventh grand national title, a uh, senior division title, which is a record. Uh, Walter Parrott had won five previous, and now Matt Van Sice just won his seventh. He thanked me on the stage a few days ago down in Nashville um, and thanked you for putting out Sound of Spring. He said that was a, that, that video was the single most impact type video to help him study the turkey's vocabulary. And in particular, he called out the way I taught how to do the cluck and purr. So apparently I've taught a lot of people, a lot of hunters out there, how to, how to do the cluck and purr. One seventh of those trophies are yours, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go into cluck and purr and do a little bit for him. So what I do is I just do it by the end of my tongue. <laughs> Only I do it with the call in my mouth. And then I just sound chamber it. So that soft stuff is probably so, in my opinion, the most important. To learn, and I know I couldn't do the the louder stuff. I'll do it at the end of the uh, podcast. The cutting and the excited hen yelping and the fly down cackle and all those. But that little soft feed stuff and the soft yelps, the soft clear yelps, and I mean, and I don't mean raspy deep yelps. I mean that. That real soft clear. That is a, a deal sealer when a gobbler is is tight. But he, he can't really zero in exactly where, where you're at. He's got a good idea. And plus, it kind of makes him think maybe he needs to go a little bit further than, than he really needs to go. So that quiet, that quiet soft stuff is going to probably kill more turkeys than any single call. 
my personal opinion. Especially late in the season when they've heard all the yelping and you get to that latter part and they may not want to hear all that calling and all that stuff. I kill a lot of turkeys just clucking and purring and soft yelping and scratching the leaves. Once yep. they've heard all that other stuff, the best thing you can do to make yourself different, make yourself realistic is that soft talk. You know why? Because very few people master it. Everybody's got the loud stuff, whether that be a friction call or that mouth call. Everybody can hammer, but not a lot of people can do that soft, really, you know, kill that turkey type of calling. It, it'll you make mentioned it- scratching the leaves. That is, that's a huge trick. Um, when you get, sit down on, set up on a turkey, try and, try and, what I, most of the time, when I, not all the time, but most of the time, I'll try and spy a limb or break off a sapling or something that I can, I can uh, rake the leaves and make it sound like turkey scratching uh, in case I need to get to that point. If I need to get to that turkey scratching point, then I don't have to search while I'm scared a turkey might see me. I've got that limb laying right there where I can scratch the leaves with it, make it sound more realistic. Yeah, it all makes sense to me hearing it. And I think a lot of guys' wives and girlfriends will probably be a little happier with them if they work more on the quieter calling and and master that because I mean, really, that could be the difference in, like you guys mentioned, it's it's almost like closing the deal type calls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Steve, you did a beautiful job taking us through all that. Um, any other tips or tactics you want to hit before we go into just the pure calling for guys to practice to? Uh, things you've learned through your, you know, more than five decades out there hunting turkeys or more than four decades, I should say. I, I think – the biggest take home point here is, is turkey rhythms. And Mark, you mentioned it before. I remember years ago in your turkey seminars, you used to uh, preach rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. When somebody's talking to you in the wrong, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but if they, you know, talk too fast and you don't really understand what they're saying, it's not because you can't hear it's because you're not comprehending. And turkeys are the same way. If you, if you, if you take a turkey call and, That's that's not good turkey rhythm. You say that take that same turkey call and you know that's good turkey rhythm. Mm-hmm. We can't hear it. That box call will not will not <laughs> but And I, I'm I, going soft with it. It literally looks like you're just <laughs> main market. The bottom line is uh, study live turkeys. Uh, if you want to get in competition calling, study live turkeys and top competition. Go listen to some of your top callers call. Search them on YouTube, watch the Grand National, the World Championships. Um, because you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast what separates a champion caller from a, a, a competition caller or somebody that wants to get into competition. Uh, a true champion caller is very extremely confident in what his or her calls will do on that stage. And so confidence really is one of the big keys. If you're if you are set and confident and know the set of calls you have and know them like a back of your hand, know how hard you're, you can push them, know exactly what they're going to do under a, a pressure situation, know that they're all of the greatest sound quality you can get uh, as close to a real live wild hen. Uh, that's going to breed confidence when you step out on that stage, and that confidence is going to gain points. I love it. It makes a lot of sense, too. Be confident in your craft and and go in knowing what you can do, man. That's thank you for running us through all this. I don't, I'm just getting like the Turkey lessons of a lifetime with all these episodes. And uh, I just, I appreciate your time, man. It was awesome to have a legend like yourself and thank you for your years of service as being a firefighter. That's that makes it even cooler. 
Well, thank you. It's been a, uh, a great journey. And um, I, I will say that uh, I will say that uh, you, you have choices in, in your uh, both uh, work career and hunting career. And uh, one of the, who knew that I would have met a guy by the name of Mark Allen Drury in 1985 and stuck my hand out and said, hey, man, you call really good. I don't know what your name is but you really should be in that finals in 1985 at the Missouri state. And then we became good, close friends starting in 87. I was in his wedding in 89. And then he asked me to join the Drury outdoor team, the original cast and go on the actual first Drury outdoor Turkey hunt, Drury outdoor film hunt period. trip. Okay, that, first, uh, first thing we ever did. We went to Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with Pat Jackson and, uh, in the, in, the, in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas and Terry film Mark Kill, the first Drury Outdoor film kill, which was a, a, a big gobbler. I was off hunting somewhere else because we only had one, one camera. But I was so convinced they had me, Mark and Terry had me so convinced that this, this, is, this is our calling. This is what we need to do that I uh, actually end up purchasing a, a video camera uh, as, as kind of part of my in on Drury Outdoors. That's awesome. It's crazy how things work out and just like evolve through time and the connections you make and the people you meet because of hunting, common passion, common interest. Humble beginnings. And that was on public ground in Arkansas. And when we killed that turkey, by the time we got out there to the dead bird, there were three other hunters that met us at the turkey. So <laughs> this goes, you know, you're in the, you're in the freaking Wachita mountains of Arkansas on opening day of turkey season on public ground, you've got competition. And luckily we were able to yelp that bird in before everybody else came in and, and would have either, you know, spooked him or, you know, it would have, the, the thing would have went awry. I know that, but we <laughs> killed him. And it's actually the opening scene on King of the Spring is that bird coming into the pretty hardwoods. And uh, right after that, man, the hunters came out of the woodwork. So we didn't realize there were that many that close to us. But that's a, a story I've never really shared, honestly. That's crazy to yeah. think about. It was a cool, cool hunt. I think Pat showed up with a sack of potatoes in Greece. And I had uh, I had uh, turkey breast from Tommy Bourne's hunting camp. <laughs> yeah, otherwise we'd have starved. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, now we get to go into all the voice vocabulary. So I'll let you close it out, Big Daddy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate you. Mark, thank you. And I'm, I hope you're not calling me Big Daddy, but I'll take that if that's what you're going to call me. I was Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here, Steve. You did a great job. Thank you. As it was I, excellent. As I knew you would. Thus far, we've had Butsky, Rob Keck, Steve Stoltz. We're going to round it out next week with Cuz Strickland. I mean, how do you how do you get a better group of guys than that, huh? I don't think you can. <laughs> honestly. I don't think you can, honestly. All right, Steve. man. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. And everyone, thanks for listening, watching, and viewing the Turkey OG series here, Working Class on DeerCast. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant long beard this spring. That's what we'll do. Good luck yeah, to you guys. Comes, here comes all the calling. Yeah, here it comes right here. Stay, stick around. So I'm going to start with uh, going over the vocabulary of the wild turkey and what my thoughts are on how I get – those sounds out of each call. Mostly with mouth calls here, I will demonstrate with some friction calls as well. Um, but main thing that you want to make sure that you remember is turkey rhythm, real good turkey rhythm. So I'm going to start with the hen yelp, which that is the basic backbone of turkey calling, and that's the yelp of a hen. Uh, and I'm going to start with a plain hen yelp. I like a 
high front end, turnover in the middle, and a, and a kind of a raspy back end. Every hen sounds different. Some are clear, some are raspy, some are in between, but the rhythm uh, and the cadence is what you really want to pay attention to. So here is how I do a hen yelp with a mouth call. That's basically a plain hen yelp. And then uh, there are different variations of the hen yelp. You can do an excited hen yelp. And all you do is add some cutting to the yelping. And uh, it goes a lot like this. In cutting, you're just going cook, 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 only with the mouth call in your mouth. You notice I just basically got real excited with the yelp, threw some cutting in there, and got more excited as I as I was yelping. Um, the next call that uh, I, on the yelping uh, variety of calls that I want to go over is the old hen assembly, which is a call that can be used not only in the spring but also in the fall. And it's a series of yelps that just get more pleading as it goes. Uh, typically, the old hen assembly is a longer string of yelps than a plain hen yelp and or an excited hen yelp. So that was your old hen assembly. Uh, I'm going to back her down a little bit, and I'm going to cover some of the softer calls, which I think are very important um, to learn that soft stuff. And uh, I'm going to start with the purr, and I do the purr uh, with the end of my tongue. Um, I just do that only with a mouth call in my mouth, and uh, and I and and then I sound chamber it. Now there's a cluck and purr. Uh, again, just real soft. I add a little clucks with it. 
to make it more real and a little soft clear yelps don't have to be loud yelps just real soft soft yelps uh, next will be um, again a more aggressive purr which is called the fighting purr and that's a call you can use uh, to your advantage uh, by keying in on gobbler's instincts that, that there's two gobblers fighting and he's going to want to come and be dominated over, dominating over those two gobblers. And you just get more aggressive with the same purr, only get more aggressive and deeper with the purr. And then I like to add a little, little high whines in between uh, some of the purrs to make it sound more realistic and some deeper clucks. All I'm doing is getting more aggressive with that same purr, a deeper tone, adding some clucks, and putting that little whine in between. Uh, some of the purrs. Don't, you don't have to do it all the time. Uh, since we're talking about a fighting purr, uh, I'd like to go over uh, the gobbler yelp itself, which makes that fighting purr more realistic if you add some gobbler yelps. And gobbler yelps are like hen yelps, just slower in cadence deeper in tone, like this, and deeper clucks. So that is your gobbler yelp, and again, if you add that Realism, those gobbler yelps to that fighting purr, it just, uh, you know, just kind of makes it even more realistic. Um, next I'm going to cover is cutting of an excited hen. And that's, uh, I, I kind of covered a little of that when I did the excited hen yelp. But I, uh, to take it further, sometimes they'll just do more cutting than they do yelping. And that's typically when the hen is ready to be bred. And it goes like this. So the cadence of it is important. You don't want to get cutting too fast. You don't want to cut too slow. So uh, listen to the, the rhythm and cadence of this cutting. And I'll probably throw a few hen yelps in with the cutting. Again, that was a series of cutting of an excited hen, throwing a few few yelps in there. Another call that you need you really would help you to learn. You're not gonna you're not gonna use it that much, but at fly down time when a gobbler pitches out of the roost, you're really really uh, uh, better off to, to throw this call out there, and that is the fly down cackle. Starts out with some tree calling, and. Uh, like this and tree call is done the tree call is done 
basically by uh, just clearing up your Yelp, a little higher pitch, very soft, very low, soft. And you don't have to have two-tone on your tree call, just a light, almost like your key key in, only yelping with the, the key key. Um, and it goes like this. So then to do the fly down, you just give it a little that soft tree calling and then come out of the limb with the fly down cackle. And all you're doing with the fly down cackle is you're cutting at a pitch and rhythm like a turkey flying out of the limb. Almost like like I, like I the hen is getting kicked in the butt out of the limb uh, and it sounds like this. Notice when I came out of the limb, I actually went up in rhythm and then back down, which is exactly what a real live turkey will do when they fly out of the limb. Um, next is the kiki run. And uh, I actually learned to do the kiki run uh, back at my first turkey calling contest in 1979, believe it or not. Ray I taught me to do it, and uh, here's how he taught me to do it. He said, put my call in my mouth, and I did. He said get a high note, and I did, and I went, and he said, now with that high note, say P, P, P three times, sorry, I was too close to the mic, I'll do that, that one over again, so I'm going to go over the kiki, and how to do the kiki run, so what you do is you put your call in your mouth, and uh, get a high note. And when you get that high note, then you say P, P, P three times. So you get the high note like this with the call in your mouth. And then say P, P, P with that high note three times. So now you have your whistle and then you add yelps to the end of that. That's how you do the kiki run. Now, if you even want to get more realistic, you got a Jake Yelp. Uh, I'm sorry, a Jake Yelp. And then also a Jake Whistle, kiki in, in, in uh, call of a lost young gobbler, which you hear a lot in the woods. And uh, it's a little deeper whistle, a little deeper yelp. And uh, boom, you have the Jake Kiki and Jake Yelp. I'll start with a Jake Yelp.
And now the Jake whistle. And there you have the Jake whistle. In all these calls, it's all about rhythm. So, for instance, I'm going to do a fly-down cackle on a friction call just to show you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing I did with the mouth call, but I'm going to do the same rhythm, but I'm going to do this with a friction call. How's that? Same way with the hen yelp. I'm going to pick up a box call and I'm going to do a plain hen yelp with the box call. thing I like about a box call is you can also gobble very easy with it. You don't have to shake the box. You don't have to, uh, you know, do the, uh, you know, the, the sequence where you just shake the whole box. All you do is just take the lid and go back and forth at a very controlled pace like this. And that's a that's a gobble on a box call. You can gobble on a mouth call as well. And uh, what I do is, is like I'll typically will kind of do a half gobble and then follow up with some Jake yelps afterwards. Because a lot of times those younger Jakes will uh, they're trying to learn to gobble, and so they'll kind of throw out a little half half gobble and then uh, and then yelp afterwards like this. spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.